Today's a good day. And we're not even done yet. <laughs> Let's give our worship team a big hand. Thank you guys so much. And Taylor. When I say guys, I mean everyone, Taylor. So that throws you in there. Uh, if you got your Bibles this morning, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? I went, ah. <laughs> this is my Bible. <laughs> Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth, transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, one of the core tenets of our church is among prayer and Bible study, fellowship, all those things that are so important, baptism, um, the Holy Spirit. There, there's so many things that are important to us. One of the things that when Trish and I first came, we kind of wrote out a list of things that we thought was very important. One of those things was, and it might surprise you, is to have fun in church. You know, I know growing up, and, and we need to be reverent, absolutely, but, but I also think God has a sense of humor. If, he doesn't, if you don't believe that, look around you, and you will know that God has a sense of humor. And so we love to laugh, and, and you're gonna, if you're around here for any length of time, you're going to hear a lot of that. Amen. Um, because we believe that that's something that's healthy for us. I believe Jesus was one of the happiest people that ever lived. And I believe that we should also experience that kind of joy. But with that in mind, i got to tell you what I did this week. <laughs> um, we had our staff meeting. Usually on Tuesdays we have a staff meeting from 2 to about 3, 3.30. And we, we got done with the staff meeting. And I said, all right, I'm going to lead us in prayer as we close out today. And, and we all bowed our heads. And I promise you, I absolutely did not mean to do this. But I get, began to pray in an Irish accent. I don't even know what that means, okay? But I, I was just sitting there. I'm not, didn't I, Evan? I mean, I was sitting there. And I, I said, all right, guys, let's pray. And I said, Oh, Lord, we love you so much today. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I saw a Lucky Charms commercial. <laughs> but I, I did it, and there was just like complete silence in the room. And I looked up, and they all kind of look up at me, and I said, And Father, we just thank you today for your presence. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we just love you, Lord. And Bagora, you know, I just... Uh, and I don't even know what that means, but I, you know, I said it, and, and, and we got done. Of course, we finished praying, but we just laughed, and, and I thought, God probably thought, thinks I'm crazy, <laughs> but, but I, I want that to be something in your life that, that Christians shouldn't be the kind of people that you walk around, and they're just, they're just, I don't know, they look gassy. I don't know what the problem is. That, that shouldn't be who we are. The Bible tells me that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And one of the things that draws us to God and is other people looking at your life and going, I want what you have. And if you're walking around like this, around, nobody, you don't even want to be around yourself. But if the joy of the Lord is living in you, if the power and the presence of God is living in you, there's going to be joy in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your trials, and people are going to come to you and go, I want to be like that. And then it's going to be followed up with a statement, something like, What's different about you? And then that gives you the opportunity to say, it's Jesus. And you would be amazed at what that little statement can do for people's lives. So I want to encourage you this week. 
If you find yourself being one of those people that's kind of a stick in the mud, you need to allow God to really come in, and I want to tell you something. His joy and his presence are going to change that out of you. Amen? That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, we're studying uh, the last week, and then again this week, we've been talking about obedience, everybody's favorite topic, obedience. But it's one of the things in the Bible that's absolutely critical if we're going to be successful in life. If you're going to become the person that God's called you to be, you're going to have to obey the things that he tells you to do. And there is no shortcut. It's one of the things I hand wrote in my notes. There's no shortcut to becoming the person that God wants you to be. There's just his process. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, if you're really one of my disciples, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And if you don't, you know, there's no truth in you. You're, you're really not my disciple. And so it's important for us to realize that if we want to advance in life, if we want the life that we've always dreamed about, we're going to have to do it God's way. Now, just to be honest, as we get started today, how many of you have lived your life, maybe not now, but for a period of time doing your own thing? Let me see your hands. Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> but but you've, you've done your own thing. How'd that work out for you? Didn't, did it? You know, because the truth is, we think we want to be in control, but the reality is we're really not in control about a lot of things. Life happens, life is hard, and if you don't have God walking with you, life is very, very difficult. And so we've got to understand that one of the things that God's looking for is obedience. It's obedience. I've titled today's message, Obedience University. And, and the reason we put university on there, Becky's done this really cool font, Good job, Becky. The, the reason we, we call it university is because it's an advanced education. University and college is an advanced education. And so I want to talk about how to go from level one in obedience with God to getting a university degree. I'm talking an advanced degree because that's what we need in our lives. Look in your Bibles or up on the notes on the screens. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Now, King Saul, I told you this story last week. King Saul had been instructed to destroy everything in this town, including the livestock, everything. He had refused to do that because he was going to sacrifice it to the Lord. He got in trouble for that. The prophet Samuel came to him, said this, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And here's the scripture here. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, to do what God says, better than the fat of rams. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So I want you to understand something. Just to break it down in our context where we really understand that, I don't care if you give a million dollars a week in the offering plate. If you're not obeying God and being obedient to him, it doesn't mean anything. God is not impressed by that. God is impressed with your obedience. We can't bribe God. We can't serve God to get what he, we want to have in our lives. We have to be obedient to him. And so that's what happened to Saul. He didn't do that. He ended up losing his kingdom over his disobedience. There's a success formula that I want you to look at. It's up on the screen. Obedience plus sacrifice equals blessings. Obedience plus sacrifice equals blessings. In other words, if you want to have a good life, if you want God to bless your life, you're going to have to be obedient. The second part of that is you're going to have to sacrifice. Sacrifice means it costs you something. And not just money. It costs you time. It costs you maybe forgiving people that you don't think deserve it. Sacrifice means it costs something. But the end result of that is God's blessing on your life. It's a pretty simple formula. Sometimes it's hard to do. 
So the question today is, what is Obedience University? Like I said, it's about getting an advanced education in obedience. There's two questions that I think are very important for us to answer that are going to tell you where you are in the way you walk and relate to God and how obedient you are to him. Two things. First one, your first blank there, how do we handle success? How do we handle success? The natural tendency for most of us, when things are going good, we're not near God. We may have been near him, and then God began to bless us, and then what happened is we kind of forget how we got there. I heard a story this week, kind of a joke. I don't know how funny it is, but it was a joke. This guy died and went to heaven, and he got up to heaven, and, and uh, St. Peter's giving him a tour around heaven, and they walk into this call center. And they're in this call center, and there are these thousands of angels answering prayer requests. Hello, angel one, can I help you? You know, and there are all these prayer requests coming in, and, and the guy said, wow, that's amazing. He said, yeah, and he said, all right, well, let me continue the tour. And so they walked down the hall, and they went to this other room, and in this other room was one angel with one telephone. Thousands in the room next door, one in here. He said, what's the deal? He said, well, the other room is the room of requests. This is the room of thank yous, and the phone wasn't even ringing. And that's how many of us do in life. When things are going tough, oh, Lord Jesus, help me, right? But then God blesses you and delivers you, and you're like, choo, good deal. And that's just how we do as human nature a lot of times. When things are hard, we run to God. When things are good, we tend to fall away. And obedience is obedience all the time. And so we have to, you know, I want you to look at your life today and say, man, that's kind of me. That's what I would call a fair-weather Christian. Fair-weather Christian. So the second statement is, and you, you can probably figure out what it is. The first one, how do we handle success when things are going well? The second one is, how do we handle failure? How do we handle failure when we're broken? This is where Obedience University really begins to happen. I want you to understand something. The truth in life is you will probably learn more from your failures than you will your successes. And I'm going to give you a little key. This isn't in your notes, but you might want to write it down. I would advise you to learn from other people's failures instead of your own. What do I mean? Well, if you walk into the kitchen and there's a, there's a kid in the kitchen and there's a stove and on top of that stove is a burner element and that burner element's on and you watch somebody stick their hand in the fire and see the response of that, maybe you should learn from what they just did and not do it yourself, right? So we can learn from other people's mistakes. We don't want to have to live those ourselves. Some of you go, I wish I'd have done that. Some of you are like, I'm living that now. Some of you are about to do some things that may get you into big trouble or hurt your life. I want to advise you, look around you and see what happens when you make those kind of decisions. Learn from failure. You can learn from failure. Proverbs 24, 15 says this. I love this verse. Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous person. Do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the, rich, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Read that last part. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. How you handle failure, and it's really pretty simple. You got to get back up. 
you got to get back up. But as I was reading this, one of the things that stuck out to me that I think we need to talk about, because it's kind of one of those words that we throw around in Christendom, you know, the Christendom word, but we don't necessarily know what it means. It's righteous. Righteous. And so I looked up the definition of righteous or righteousness. And here's what it means. Webster's Dictionary says this. Righteousness is acting in accord with divine or moral law. Acting in accord with divine or moral law. In other words, following God's rules. But I like the layman's definition better because it's just easier for me. Here's the layman's definition. Righteousness equals God's way, God's way of doing or being right. So whenever you see righteous or righteousness in the Bible, what that means is God's way of doing or being right. So if you go back and you take that and you look at this verse, it says, though the righteous stumble or the righteous fall, they rise again. Why? Because their righteousness is found in God. In other words, if you're living your life according to God's principles, if you're doing your absolute best to follow him, doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're doing your best and you're coming back to him and you're trying to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. Even when you fall down, and they're just using the example of seven times, they will rise again because God will always raise us back up if we're following his plan for our lives. That's a good word, guys. So the question then becomes, well, how do I become righteous? Now, I'm a child of the 80s, and I got to just be honest. When I was reading this, it said the righteous, and what I think of is righteous, and that doesn't work. You know, that was a statement they used to make about how's everything going? It's righteous, man. Dude, righteous. We didn't know what we were saying. Righteous, dude. Y'all can use that. Go ahead. That'll be fine. Miles is going, no, Dad, I will never, ever say that. (laughs) but so we need to understand what righteousness is how do we get that i mean i i want to have the kind of power in my life that if i fall seven times i get up again i mean that sounds pretty good to me so how do i get that look at romans chapter 3 verse 20 through 23 this is paul talking to the church in rome and it, it answers this question so well i don't even hardly need to use an illustration for it because he just says it Listen to this. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now, in other words, here's the difference. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him, righteousness, without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, this is the one you need to look at. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Wow. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone sinned. And Paul's telling, he's answering this question today. How do I obtain that righteousness, righteousness? How do I become that person that when life knocks me down, when life knocks me down, even if it knocks me down seven times in a row, that I have the ability to get back up again? And this is the answer. A real faith in Jesus. A real faith in Jesus. 
a real salvation, a, a real God. I'm not talking about a going to church kind of deal. I'm talking about where you've really allowed God to come into your life. You've really surrendered everything to him. I mean, that old hymn, I Surrender All, one of my favorite hymns. But for a lot of people, it could be sung like this. I surrender some. I surrender some. Record this, Marty. This is pretty good. All to Jesus I surrender. I surrender a little bit. And that's really what we do. We don't really give him everything. We give him some things. And then we wonder why our life doesn't go well. We know what God's commands are. We know we're supposed to love God. I mean, Jesus boiled down the whole Bible. He said, hey, if you want to fulfill all the law and commandments, here's what you got to do. Two things. Love God, love people. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, if you do this, you'll fulfill all the law and commandments. It's about loving each other. It's about loving God. And, and you can't do that unless you've surrendered everything to him. Why? Because you've got this flesh that wants to keep rising up. But if you do this and you allow God to live in here, you allow the Holy Spirit to walk in your life and have, have presence in your life, to give your life to God and say, Lord, I give you everything. Lord, I'm going to mess up. But Father, I just surrender everything to you. Help me. That's my prayer. It's not fancy. It's just honest. God, help me. God, show me. God, forgive me. And, and the Bible then, if you go back to that verse in the Old Testament, it says, if you've fallen down, you're going to get back up again. You're going to get back up again. I sounded like a redneck right then. Because <laughs> I are one. <laughs> Welcome to your world. There you go. I'm going to give you some rules today for being human, and then we're going to go into the last part of the sermon. Here's some rules. I love these. Found this in my John Maxwell leadership deal this week. Rule number one, you will learn lessons. In life, you will learn lessons. That's non-negotiable. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Does that sound like might? No. And if Jesus says you will do something, then guess what? It's going to happen. So he said you will learn lessons. We're going to learn lessons. Listen to number two. There are no mistakes, only lessons. There are no mistakes, only lessons. Number three, this is a big one. A lesson is repeated until it is learned. <laughs> yeah. A lesson is repeated until it is learned. There is no shortcut. There is no shortcut in the kingdom of God. You will go around the mountain again and again and again and again and again. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, including me, until you surrender to God and do it his way. I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. God does not negotiate with terrorists. You cannot talk him into doing something. God, if you do this, I'll do this. That doesn't work with God. He's God. You have to do it his way. So, so to give yourself a shortcut, if you want any kind of a shortcut, it's not really a shortcut, it's just the only way, then do things God's way. In other words, if you go, all right, Pastor, how does that work? 
practically, guys, this is so good right here. You got, you got to remember this. If you want to find out what you need to do about a situation in your life, go to God's word, that Bible we talk about all the time. Go to his word, find out what he says about your situation, and do it his way. If you find in your life that there's bitterness in your heart and you can't forgive somebody, what does the Bible say about that? Jesus said you have to forgive or I can't forgive you. And so there's no way around that. You have to do that to be free. But a good clue there is when you set them free, you set yourself free. That's just one example. Rule number four. If you don't learn the easy lessons, they get harder. (laughs) If you don't learn the easy lessons, they get harder. Here's the way it worked in my house growing up. We had kind of a two-step process in the house growing up with my family, my dad and all that. It was, he told us once, the second time it increased in intensity. (laughs) You know, God, if, if dad had to tell you twice, it was not going to be fun, you know. So I learned to listen, you know, and, 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 and that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. God will say, don't do such and such. And then if you disobey him, then the repercussions come and it gets harder. But here's the deal. It's going to get harder until you change the way you do things and do it his way. Because he's never going to change his mind. Ever. Okay, here's number five. Here's number five. You'll know that you've learned a lesson when your actions change. You say, well, that's pretty simple, Pastor. No, 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 listen. You'll know that you've learned a lesson when your actions change. You can say all day long, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed. That proves nothing. The only way people know that we've changed in our lives is if we act differently. Somebody can say, I'll never do this again. I'll never do that again. I'll never do whatever. But unless your actions back that up, there is no real change in your life. Change is a heart issue. It's a heart thing. And I want to encourage you in this today. That if in your life there are areas that you know you need to change, there are places in your life that you know you need to give to God or things aren't going to go well for you, surrender those to him. That's where that obedience comes in. That's where that surrender comes in. Lay it all at his feet and give it to him. Remember, he said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to set the captives free. That's what I've come to do. And so surrender that to him. I want to read you a scripture before we watch a video today. And this is about a thing called, again, Obedience University. Listen to this. The night that Jesus was betrayed, they took him into the religious leaders, and as you know, they began to beat him and, and persecute him and horrible things. Well, Peter followed Jesus at a distance. And when they brought him into the courtyard where they were keeping him, Peter was in there with him. And, and before this all happened, Peter said, Jesus, I'll go anywhere with you. I'll do anything you say. I'll be there till, even till death. I'll never turn my back on you, Jesus. And Jesus turned around to him and said, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times and the cock's going to crow. Rooster's going to crow. And Peter's like, no way is that going to happen, not to me. 
So Jesus gets picked up and they take him down and Peter follows at a distance. And then this happens. Then he, Peter, began to curse and swear and he said, I do not know the man. I don't know him. What had happened is he was standing around a fire this crowd of people and people began to look up and go, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And then he said, no, absolutely not. I wasn't with Jesus. And then somebody else looked at him and said, hey, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? He said, no, I'm not his disciple. And then this was the last comment. Then he began to curse and swear. And he said, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And listen to Peter, what happened to him? The Bible says he ran out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Let's watch this video. crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? I love you, yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, Don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, the angel said what? Uh, Go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. He said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. 
tell the disciples, I'm Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. I don't think there's any better way to say it than that. And I want you to imagine you're Peter. I mean, you're the guy. You're Jesus' right-hand man. And what you just swore you would never do, he, he did. He denied Jesus. Now, it's one thing. I, I want you to just imagine in our own lives, we deny him. We walk away. We don't do what he says. But you know what? Because I don't see him, maybe it doesn't necessarily feel that way. But Jesus is standing right there. And he denied him. And I don't know if you've ever noticed in the scripture, but the scripture says that after Jesus was risen, the angels came to, they told the ladies, they said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because of that. Jesus knew what Peter was dealing with. Jesus knew the guilt that must have been on him, the condemnation that must have been on him. Jesus knew that. And what does he do? He pours out this amazing grace that we sing about. This amazing love that we talk about. We see it. And he says to him, Peter, feed my sheep. And there's this restoration that takes place. I want you to understand something. There is nothing you can do to earn God's grace, but there's nothing you can do to get away from it either. His grace is amazing. And no matter how bad your sin, no matter how far you've walked away, no matter how disobedient you've been, if you will come to him and you will surrender your heart to him and you will give him your life, he will fix the mess that your life is. He'll fix it. But you've got to surrender to him. You've got to make that happen. Only you can do that. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can do that for you. So I want you to look at your heart today. I want you to look at your life today and see if that's maybe you. Let's, let's all bow our heads this morning. If that's you today, you can say, Pastor, I've... I know what God's word says, but you know what? I have this struggle in my heart. There's, I want to do what God wants, but I always seem to end up making the wrong decisions. You know, I know that he loves me, but I always feel like I'm walking away. I, I can't seem to get it right. I get up and I fall down. I get up and I fall down, and, and I want to be the person that God wants me to be. I want to be the husband. I want to be the mom. I want to be the brother or sister. I want to be the Christian but I always seem to get in my own way. If that's you today, you're in good company. Because Jesus' right-hand man dealt with that. And there is no sin too much for his grace. 
There's nothing that he can't cover in his love and his mercy. And so today, he may be speaking to you. If that's you, you're trying, but you're falling. You're trying, and you're falling. Some of you may not even be trying real hard, but you just feel God tugging you. You know you need him. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. Because you can't do it by yourself. Newsflash. So today, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give one altar call. Whether it's for salvation, you need Jesus. Whether it's to rededicate your life. You're a Christian, but you've walked away, and you need to surrender to him. If there's sickness in your body, and you need to be healed. Your family's struggling and falling apart, and you need God to fix the mess. You're being disobedient. You know God's calling you to tithe, or you know that God's calling you to do whatever it is, and you're doing your own thing, but it's not working. This This is a call today to surrender to him. No matter what's going on in your life. The worship team's going to sing. I want my prayer partners to come forward. And I'm just going to open the altars up. Whatever you're dealing with, today is your day. The altars are open.
the sun forbear to shine but God who called me in below will be forever mine will be forever mine you are forever mine my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and I
drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. Amen. I believe there may be some people here today that are spiritually, you've really surrendered things to God, but you've got some physical needs in your body. You've got some sickness. You've got something going on in your body that you're struggling with. I want you to know these altars are still open. And if you need people to agree with you, you don't need to be walking around with whatever that is. The Bible tells us that by Jesus' stripes, we're healed. And so today, if, that's, if you've got something going on there and you just didn't feel like, well, I don't want to come down or whatever, you need to. Okay? You need to. I'm going to be down here for a few minutes. Some prayer partners down here, even as we dismiss, I want you to come and we're going to pray, okay? Just because we leave doesn't mean church is over. Church is wherever you are. You understand me? Grab your neighbor's hand this morning. Father, we just praise you today for your presence. We, we praise you today that your kingdom is moving forward and you're changing our lives and you're changing our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that's over all of us. So, Father, I just pray today in Jesus' name that you'd move in our lives. That, Father, you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to go out of this place and be your hands and feet. Lord, help us to see people the way you see them. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. All right, as you leave today, I want you to high-five three people. Tell them that God loves them and you're glad they're here.